Welcome to Two Chicks Talk Writing. I'm Isabella. And I'm McGee. Welcome to our show. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to talk about editing today. And I'm going to start off with asking the obvious question, why do you need an editor? So here's my opinion. As a publisher and, and as a writer, I think you want to put out the best book possible. You don't get, it's kind of like, um, you know, first glances, you know, that first look. You don't get a second chance at that. And so you, I, in my opinion, you always want to put your best book forward. I know that there are a lot of authors out there who say, yeah, screw it. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. And I don't care. And that's cool. I mean, that's, and, 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 you know, then the reader knows what they get. They're cool with it. If you get a bad review and, and most of the time, a lot of the negative reviews I see have to do with editing. People will go in and let you know if they think the book is poorly edited. I know if your Aunt Jo is an English teacher at your local high school and you have her edit your book, okay, will your Aunt Jo be critical of you and say, you know what, this sucks, or this has got a plot hole, or you, you know, something happened here and I don't think it works, or... And that goes into the different types of editing. But ultimately, I think that, in, our, in my opinion, you should hire an editor. Okay, so if I'm going to hire an editor, is that for more of a self-published person as compared to, because I'm assuming if I go with a publisher, what, what kind of editing would I expect for them? Because some say all they get is copy editing. You know, there are different types of editing developmental editing, which is basically a deep dive into your novel, and they're going to give you feedback kind of on your narrative, on your big picture, plot holes. They look at every piece of your story, and they let you know what works and what doesn't work. A lot of times when you are going to uh, go with a publishing company, you probably should have had that done. Because that, if you haven't had that done, that's going to get you rejected from a publishing company right away. So that's going to be one of those situations. And, and in this case, that might be where some beta readers could come in handy to tell you, you know, where's, where's the hole? Where's the issue? I don't like the characters. I don't find them believable. Here's my problem with the novel. Um, you're going to get that kind of feedback, hopefully, from beta readers, again, who aren't your family members and don't want to hurt your feelings. Don't worry about your feelings, yeah, for sure. But I think in a lot of times that if you're going to submit, even if you're going to submit to an agent, you should probably pay to have your book edited, set it up, and have someone do uh, a developmental edit. If you are unfamiliar with character building or you haven't been published before, you don't have that feedback. Okay. Because I, so, I did have an acquaintance that did hire a developmental editor and then went on to hire people to do line editing and everything else right. and then send it to a publisher. And I thought, well, that seems golly, what's the publisher going to do after that? Then I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what the value added was there. 
Well, let me say this. You know, I, I think that a lot of times, you know, you want to impress, especially if you're going to try and hire one of the bigger published, you know, if you want to, if you want to go with Penguin, Random House, you're going to try and go with a, with a big publisher, you want to put your best foot forward. So you pay for that. Because the return on investment, if you get that contract in that agent or, you know, because you're just one of hundreds who that agent or the publishing house maybe is going to look at, especially with the bigger publishing houses. And oftentimes I get a lot of books submitted that I think to myself, oh my God, did you even bother to use spell check or get the, you know, when you get that green squiggly line under there, that means something. And, you know, I just, lately we've gotten some fanfic type of submissions that, boy, just couldn't cut it. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, one particular one said, I've been writing fanfic for, you know, six years. All of my readers love it. They think it's fantastic. And I go to read it and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's okay, it's, it's good, but there are a lot of errors in this. And, and the reason they're probably not telling you anything is they get it for free. Right. I mean, a good story is a good story, but grammar and character development, plot development, all that stuff goes hand in hand too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you bring up a good point. If people are paying for a story, they expect something that they're not going to get thrown out because of all of the homonyms and all of the phrases that are just wrong, you know, just really gross grammar errors. If you have editing software as your first go round to clean it up like Grammarly um, there's other editing software out there that you can use that a lot of people like. That should be your first pass. That's going to pick up a lot of stuff. Editing software can save you some time before you get to the developmental stage. In my opinion, most authors who put out several books understand the process of writing. And what do I mean by that? Storytelling, mm-hmm. opening with a bang, setting the hook at each end of, of a paragraph or the end of a scene or the end of a chapter. Those things that make the reader want to move on. They're proficient storytellers. They're good at, with, at their craft. They understand the overuse of dialogue tags, plot holes. Many of the authors that I know of work with a timeline. So they've timelined their book. They've, you know, whether they're using three by five note cards to start chapters, they're paying attention to their POVs and head hopping. Those are things that get caught in a developmental edit. If you've done this as long as we have, you're already looking for all of those pieces in your manuscript. So you may not need a developmental editor at that point. If you're new to this game and you don't know whether you need a developmental editor or not, your beta readers are gonna give you some of that valuable feedback. 
They will tell you if there's plot holes. And let me say editors don't catch everything because I did put out a book where the character had green eyes and then in one particular uh, scene, they had brown eyes. And it went through not just two rounds of edits or three rounds of edits, but it went through a copy editor and a proofer. And none of them caught that. And when I looked at it last, I didn't catch it. It's one of those things that happened. I use Grammarly. What do you use? I, I write in Scrivener, Scrivener. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Mm -hmm. And then I've discovered that I don't edit well in that software. It works great for me because I can kind of do my little plot cards and the chapters. I can swing things around pretty easily. Yeah. And that fits my kind of combo pantser sort of plotter um, writing style. And then I export it to Word. I do my edits in Word and they kind of do that little squiggly line thing under stuff that's weird. And then I run Grammarly and I have to admit, I have not sprung for the paid version, but I'm very compelled to now that we've been talking today. So, cause even the, even the free one will catch a, a good number of oh, yeah. boogers. And I really don't know whether to trust it or not on the comma thing. Cause I'm terrible at commas. So I would never challenge an editor in a hundred years. Uh, there's bigger fish to fry but uh, I did I did have one editor lob out a whole, two whole scenes and I was you know they were lovely little scenes but they just didn't move the story forward and as much as it pained me to cut those scenes out I did it that's another thing that the editor will do for you mm -hmm. that even beta readers may not do for you is that you know we look at these novels like these are our little babies you know, we want everybody to like them. We want everybody to think they're cute and coo over them and say how precious they are. But an editor's job isn't to do that. An editor's job is to say, okay, so this is great, but I think you can do better. This is a good scene, but you don't need it. That's what you're paying for. You're paying for someone to say, you know what, you don't need this. The book's good without it. It doesn't advance the plot. Or you don't need this character. They don't move the story forward. It's not, I hate this character. It's they just don't, they don't move the story forward. We have a, a team that looks at submission. We have an editor on the team. And we got a submission one time that had 14 characters in this book. I read it and went, okay, I think they should cut the whole first chapter. The book to me starts at chapter two. The editor said, I agree. And in fact, I think you should get rid of X, Y, and Z characters. They don't do anything to the book. They're just kind of background dressing. They're, they're croutons, but the salad's still good without them. Unfortunately, when I told the author that, they freaked out. They're okay. like, no! And I'm like, oh, okay, well, here's your manuscript back. Good luck on that. Good luck with this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. When I first started writing, somehow I did not realize how many bazillion times I was going to go through this manuscript until I was ready to burn it because I'm just sick of looking at it. 
some advice I would give to someone who's writing. You know, there's Grammarly, there's, uh, I don't recommend White Smoke because I don't think they do a good job, but Grammarly and other editing type software can pick up a lot of issues that redundancy, overused words, passive voice, things like that. So it's gonna pick up those issues for you so that when you go to submit uh, your manuscript and you had your beta readers read it, and a lot of times beta readers will pick up on that. When you have a beta reader, you can say to your beta reader, hey, I'm one beta reader, you might say, hey, I'm looking for plot holes. Uh, hey, I'm looking for inconsistencies. Or hey, if you see anything grammatically, because some beta readers will say, eh, this doesn't work grammatically. And they'll, and they'll pick that stuff up for you. I don't think that that constitutes an edit with an editor who has, you know, some street cred. Again, a good editor is someone who has taken courses, works at their craft. Um, this is what they do. I also think that it's very difficult for an editor to be a writer too. All of our editors are only editors. They're not writers. And if they are, I don't know about it. So that, that could be a possibility. But, but I think that when you uh, work with an editor, you know, you want to do a little bit of homework and have a conversation with them. You know, get 10 pages edited and then uh, see if you can work with that person, if you can establish a relationship. I don't know if that answered your question. It does. Okay. It does. So let me ask you this. You've been on both sides of the aisle. Mm -hmm. You have had to, I'm assuming, hire your own editors. Mm -hmm. And you've also worked with editors that have been paid for, with, paid for by the publishing company. What's been your experience on either of those? Having had to hire one and then by default work with one through a publishing company. Well, my very first book, I kind of went two steps from an English teacher. Um, I have a friend that used to work in publishing and, you know, boy, she's a hawk. In hindsight, yeah, there's some stuff maybe a, a different kind of editor would have snagged, but I feel like it was passable, you know? I mean, I feel like for first time out of the block, you get a little bit more leeway than maybe you would with a seventh or eighth book. Then the next two experiences I had were, um, one was chasing down an editor, trying to find somebody who had time and was also in my price range, looking at the consideration that you could pay two grand to have somebody go through your book three times and you're going to make $180. So maybe there's a disconnect there. So I found somebody from um, my second book that I thought did a good job for me. And then working with a professional editor that was with a publishing house kind of showed me a different side of that with how quickly they got back stuff to me how soon I was expected to return notes to them it was a little more formal I guess I would say but I didn't find the experience that much different from the person that I had hired versus the ones that the publishing house had so I must have got lucky out of the blocks I'm, I'm not sure and then the next book, I went back and cheated and took one of the editors I'd used from something else and, and reused them. It's stressful to want to hire somebody, 
Mm -hmm. um, because there are so many places online, oh, submit your things. And, you know, five editors will come back. And, you know, two of them told me that, you know, my first two chapters were horrible. They couldn't possibly work with me. The next three said it was wonderful. They couldn't wait to start the project. You know, I think you bring up a good point. Price for a lot of, of people is a big factor in choosing editors as well. Um, some editors charge per page, some editors charge per word, and some editors charge per job. I don't think the quality is based on any of those. So I don't think that if you pay by word, you're going to get a better edit. If you pay by page, you're going to get a better edit. Or if you pay by job. I think that it becomes more nuanced than that. I think that um, it should be a conversation. I, uh, oftentimes, I think people just want to uh, engage an editor so quickly that they don't do their homework. Like you said, some will tell you, your work sucks. I couldn't possibly work with you. And there might be more to it than that. It might be the subject matter. I totally thought it was subject matter. <laughs> yeah. There are some questions I think that authors should ask when they want to engage an editor. Obviously, price is one of them. Turnaround time is another. You know, what are, the, what are the, my expectations once I submit this manuscript to you? What's your turnaround time? How many passes will they do in that price? What kind of genres do they work with? In fact, that should probably be your first question. Because if there are genres that are excluded in their list, then you know you probably should check them off the list. Cross them out, take them off your list. Some editors won't work on nonfiction. Some will. Nonfiction has more issues with, you know, obviously fact-checking and different things that come with working in nonfiction, but then we have genres. And so some editors don't want to do, say, high fantasy or sci-fi, or some editors don't want to do particular genres, say, LGBT or urban or different. Sometimes it's a matter of their personal preference or they're not familiar with that genre or they just don't like it. You know, some editors don't want to work on romance. It's just not their thing. They don't want to have to sit through another, you know. Hallmark movie and writing. <laughs> right. And so I think those are some questions, you know, that you should ask. Have a list of questions and ask every editor the exact same question. Because if you don't, then you do don't have the ability to compare apples to apples. Now you've got apples and oranges. Oh, I asked this person this, but I forgot to ask this person this. If you have a checklist, and I'm big on checklists, I'm big on lists, period. If you have a checklist of things that you can ask, then you can use that checklist for all of the editors. And I think you should get a price quote from three, four, five. And that way, you have a better understanding of what it is they're going, you know, their requirements and, and what it is you're looking for. You should know what kind of edit you need. 
Do you need a developmental edit? Do you just need a grammar edit? Are you looking for a copy edit, a proofer? What is it you're looking for? Are you looking for a sensitivity editor? Those are all different types of edits, but you should know what it is you're looking for first. Off the get-go, you need to establish what kind of edit you need because not all editors do all things. Well, and I guess I feel like as an author that developmental editing, I should be doing that with beta readers and that sort of thing. I shouldn't really be presenting a book to an editor that is broken, I guess maybe is the wrong word. And I think sensitivity readers to a degree too, I take ownership of finding some people that are not necessarily going to think the same way as I do about whatever the subject is and try and get their feedback to say, you know, boy, this part will really cheese somebody if you put this in there and, and it's quite inadvertent. You know, we, of course we don't see our blind spots. That's why we call them blind spots. Right. No, I think you're absolutely right. There's a, a new trend out that I've noticed. Beta readers are starting to charge for beta readers. I'm not sure how I feel about that. If there's a exchange of money, if there's a business contract in place, you should probably know what qualifications your beta reader has then. Mm -hmm. If they're going to start charging you, I would think I would want to know what what qualification, what am I paying for? Because there are enough people out there who will gladly beta read your work, especially if they like you, you know, and, and they like your work. I have no problem finding beta readers. I know a lot of authors have no problem finding beta readers. I know new authors who don't have a problem, you know, finding beta readers. Right. So yes. authors should be aware of, of those people who charge for their services and be aware of what it is you're paying for. Because I've heard of some really awful experiences with both in editing and beta readers where they totally changed the author's voice or they didn't think the feedback that they gave was just really so harsh. And so I think that, you know, you have to establish ground rules, you have to talk about what it is you're looking for. And so I get a little cringy when I hear that people are charging for their beta reading. Well, and I've had a wide range of different kinds of feedback from beta readers too. Some of them, you get to the end and you get a note that says, yeah, I liked it. Great. You know, this is the bandstand review. It has a great beat and I can dance to it. Which is not bad. They also would say, "Mm, you lost me in the third chapter. I couldn't even finish it. If they have both levels of honesty, then I'm totally cool with just a short little comment that this didn't stink that much. So that's, you know, that can be kind of a little affirmation. You're on the right path. I do ask different things of different people. Like I have a friend who I know would not be interested and reading all of the romance parts. So I literally just took the half a chapter where the character was was painting because I am not a painter. And I said, please, will you read this and make sure I've got things right? And the note came back, you paint watercolor on paper, not canvas. Huh, well, 
really? So, <laughs> so, and that's something that I would have not caught in a hundred years. I don't know editors would or would ha not have, but I'm certain that any person who ever painted a watercolor past kindergarten would have caught that and it would have ruined the story for them because you my, my fat check. So, right, yeah. right. Well, and I, I think you bring up a good point. When you engage a beta reader or an editor, sometimes you have to, especially beta readers, you have to say, here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to see if I've got a plot hole here. Some beta readers will give you extensive feedback. Some beta readers will say, like you said, it was wonderful. I can't wait for the next book. Oh my God, I love this. And that's it. And then here's the other kind of uh, problem beta reader, the one who falls off the map. The one you send the book to and say, hey, can you give me feedback in two weeks? And they're like, sure, sure, yeah, no problem, no problem, no problem. And then a week goes by and you're like, hey, just checking in. And they're like, yep, I'm on it, I'm on it. And then two weeks go later and then you send an email and they ghost you. You're like, um, hey, uh, you know, I kind of needed that feedback. Where are you? Right. You know, and, and they're just too embarrassed to say, oh, I didn't have time or I didn't. I thought I could get it done. And I think for beta readers, just be honest with your authors. If you have the time to commit and they give you a turnaround time, you know, they give you a turnaround time for a reason, you know, because they're on a schedule too. But then again, if they're free, you get what you pay for. To shift the gears on the editing, what would you consider a normal number of exchanges? It seems I've had two to three, depending on whether they were willing, I guess, to look a third time. Why would you turn down a third look-see? Sure. Again, this goes back to figuring out what their process is and asking those questions. If I'm going to pay you, whatever it is, half a cent a word, how many times will you go through this where we have a back and forth? Is it one time? Is it two times? Is it three times? If you need a developmental edit, that's going to be a whole different can of worms. If you just need structural editing or copy editing, that's, that's going to be less intensive, time intensive, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that those are the things that you want to establish. Two passes, if they're a good thorough editor and your manuscript isn't littered with grammatical errors and punctuation errors and dialogue tags and you know things that the editor might say, you don't need this here, you don't need this here, you don't need this here, take this out, you spelled this word wrong. If you can clean up a lot of that, then you're going to get more out of your edits. In my opinion, I think you're going to get more out of your edits when an editor doesn't have to go in and say, you don't need a comma here. And look, as an author, don't fight with them over a comma. You know, they're trying to make your manuscript better. They're not out to sabotage your work. That doesn't do them any good because we all have reviews, we all talk. 
conversation and talking is the currency by which we exchange with other authors information. That's our currency. Don't work with this editor or don't work with that cover designer or don't work with that publisher or don't work with that author. Even within editing realms, editors, I'm sure, keep a little black book of people that they never, ever want to work with and some that they would love to rework with. Have you been in the position where you have an author that's such a pain in the butt, the editor says never again? Yes. Hmm. Yes. It's a difficult position for a publisher to be in, in my opinion. Uh, we've had it several times. It's difficult on, on two faces. An editor wants just to do their job. And as an author, if you are constantly throwing up roadblocks, saying, no, really, that exact word should stay in there. And you're going to stop your feet. And, you know, that's the hill you want to die on. Then we probably have a problem. If you can't look back and look at it and say, hmm, or have a conversation saying, well, why do you think this word or this sentence or this paragraph should be cut? And most of the time, editors will tell you, it doesn't further the story, it doesn't work, um, I don't think you need it, you've already given you know, us 10 different descriptions of the wallpaper, an 11th description isn't necessary. It really, according to the Chicago Manual of Style, this is where a comma should be, or this is what the style sheet says. So there are different things that when an editor is looking at your manuscript, they're trying to improve it, not hurt it. As an author, my hope is that we would all be receptive to the feedback that our editors give us. So yes, we've had instances, I personally had instances where I've had to intercede a, a relationship with an author and an editor and kind of have a come to Jesus moment. I've had a come to Jesus moment with an author and I've had a come to Jesus moment with an editor where an editor has said, I'm not going to edit this paragraph or this chapter because I don't like this content. So now you've edited a whole book and now you're suddenly going to not want to edit this chapter because you don't like it or it's a trigger for you. Maybe we should have known that going in and we wouldn't have had you as the editor. And then we've had the flip side where an author has said, they're just trying to change my voice. I can't believe this. And was like, no, you said autumn at the beginning and now it's summer. We have such great editors and I really trust their expertise. That's their job. Mm -hmm. I have to trust them. So I do. In our case, we give editors a lot of leeway in uh, who they work with. If they haven't established a relationship with an author and they've had such an awful relationship that they say they never want to work with them again, I have to take that into consideration. There's, there's more going on here than just that. Have you had instances where you maybe it didn't quite work out in the way you thought it should for you and an editor? Actually, no. I mean, the only thing with one was that the timeline strung out longer than I had hoped it had, but it worked out 
how it was supposed to work out because I ended up getting sick flat on my back for two weeks. I think we want the timing to be our own sometimes. Okay, I'm finally ready here. I need this back in two weeks. And editors yeah. don't work that way. I mean, how far out are the editors that uh, that work for you? Are they usually months out? Because they also work with other writers, other authors and other publishing companies, always sending emails to them saying, what's your schedule look like? Can we get on your schedule? And so we try to get on their schedule early enough so that when we have books coming, that's why it's important for a lot of times if you're in a publishing house to let your publisher know when to expect that book because we've got to get it on an editor's schedule because you might want to work with a particular editor and we have this happen within the publishing house. Oh, I want X editor. I love X editor. We work so well together. Well, yeah, that's great, but you waited six, six months to get me your book and now X editor's booked up. So we might have to shift you over to this editor, who's just as good, by the way. And it goes back to establishing those relationships. You know, there's so many cogs in that wheel that are moving in publishing, cover designs, editors, copy editors, book designers. People need vacations too. And a lot of times, you know, we have to work with people's schedules they're going to take a month vacation. Well, that puts a, we've got a plan for that. If you're the only person doing one particular task in the company, a month vacation could make everything come to a grinding halt if you don't plan well. And now a tip of the day from the writers to a box. My tip of the day would have been, um, you should ask an editor how much it costs. So what's the cost for an edit? Is it per page, per word, per job? Once you've established that, you should also ask them, is there a size associated with those pages, words, jobs? Some editors don't want a 200-word tune, and some are perfectly fine. The other thing I would say is, how many passes do I get for this, and what's the turnaround time? If you have something you want to hear us talk about, make some comments below. Check out our Two Chicks Talk Writing website at www.the2chickstalkwriting.com. You'll find all of our past podcast episodes there, as well as some tools and tips and freebies you can download. You can also check out our Facebook page, Two Chicks Talk Writing, and our Instagram at Two Chicks Talk Writing.